0: James, you guys, y'all all do such an incredible job. Our worship leaders, they awesome job. I've been talking to you about principles that are built into the very foundational core of the universe itself. And how some people make these work for them. All of us do to a certain degree, whether you realize it or not. These principles, as I said, you don't change them, you learn to Adapt to them and align yourself with them. Have you ever had this experience? Have you ever been somewhere and someone wanted to give you a phone number or write down an address and you didn't have anything, to, a desk to write on? You had a piece of paper and a pen. You ever tell your, your friend, maybe in school you did this, turn around and you put that sheet of paper on the back and you ever do that? Or against a wall, you know, and you, you're writing something down. What happens when you do that? After a while the pen stops writing, doesn't it? And you have to adjust it where the pen, even though you're writing like this, the pen is pointed up. That is, the top of the pen is where the nib of the pen is against the paper and there has to be a vertical positioning of the pen because of gravity. And we learn to make these minute adjustments in the course of our life that we can achieve what we're attempting to achieve. We make these Irrevocable laws work for us because we know that we're not going to change them. If we try to, we're the ones who suffer the losses that are incurred as a result of that. We do this in ways we don't even think of. When you drove your car to church this morning, you were driving an automobile that has been carefully put together by engineers, <clears throat> probably in Detroit or some other place and it has been aerodynamically designed to create the least amount of resistance that they can now they know there ha- there has to be a motor and there's a certain amount of weight <coughs> involved pardon me <coughs> in that vehicle and they have to overcome that weight and the resistance that this this vehicle will have to the highway that it is traveling on and even the hood of your car and the swept back appearance of the windscreen, what they would call the bonnet, in Europe and many parts of the world, all of that is designed in such a way that it catches less wind. The old Model T's, for example, look at a picture of one of those, that square window right there. They didn't get very good gas mileage with vehicles like that, did they? But in today's world, when gasoline in some parts of our nation is up to $5, hey, we, we want all the help we can get. We make things like this work for us. In thousands of different ways, even, forgive me for being this candid, in the restrooms when someone pushes the handle on a flush toilet, you're making gravity work for you. It's so worked into society, so many different aspects of these principles have been incorporated into our lives That they have made our lives easier, but we don't even stop to realize what they are. Similarly, there are spiritual principles that, as I've pointed out, you don't change either. And when you make those work for you, your life becomes powerful. One of those is a principle we just got through mentioning indirectly when we referred to the 1,100 people that received baskets of food on this past Thursday night and the 1,600 On Saturday. What principle is that? It's this one. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The volunteers that were here. The fact that this was sponsored by this church. Every single thing that was done to help needy families. Brings upon us a blessing. That we might not be able to even discern where it is coming from or why it has come. Because this phrase, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, doesn't compute mathematically, does it? You can't make it work on a calculator, that if you have so many dollars and you give, that you're going to be more blessed with what's left than you would have been blessed if you had kept the entire portion. Tithing doesn't work out very well on a calculator. Offerings don't. But what they fail to take into consideration is this is an irrevocable law of the universe when you give, it positions you for things to be returned. And they may be returned in ways that you don't know of. For example, you might have avoided a, a trip to the emergency room this week that you don't even know you would have made, but because you gave. God said, I'm going to see to it that you're going to be spared some things that might have otherwise happened. I don't That doesn't compute on the calculator, does it? But it still works out that way. Somebody else may have been losing their job and you might, would have lost yours. But the God who says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive says, uh-uh, you're not losing yours. And you can't even factor things that you don't know about into the equation when you do the math on a computer. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you, son. And... The problem is some of these things you will never know till you get to heaven. And then we're going to look and say, you mean all of this? I missed this and this didn't happen. And yeah, God said, because it was more blessed for you to give than to receive. And because you aligned yourself with that principle, I spared you so much. You spared yourself so much. In this series that I'm on, we're talking about spiritual principles and how to align with them. That we might use these as keys to experience an abundant life of much love, many blessings, and great favor. Our text, and we're nearing the end of the year now, we're into the middle of the month of November, only a few weeks left in this year. Our text in Proverbs chapter number 4, we've been using this whole year, says, my son, give attention to my words. Now, what I think this is really saying is, And you look at the book of Proverbs, it is a collection of Proverbs. That's why it's named that. Sayings, observations about life, truisms, adages. You hear what I'm I'm talking about? These are condensed truths. Truths that have been refined and condensed down into a small encapsulated form. That form that is encapsulated we call a verse. And what this man is saying is, my son, give attention to my Proverbs, to my principles. That's what he's really saying. Too many people, when they read the Bible, are too concerned about the characters that are in the Bible, whether it was David or Saul or Moses or Goliath. or. And I'm, I'm suggesting that the characters are not what is really central to the story. It's the truth that the story illustrates that matters the most. Amen. God uses these stories to flesh out principles. And when you read the Bible, there's a whole cast of characters over a period of hundreds of years that parade across the stage. It wasn't the character that was important. It was the God who was using their story to illustrate, illustrate a truth that really mattered. And what this man <coughs> is saying is, notice these proverbs, these these principles that I'm teaching and incline your ear, as I said a couple of Sundays ago, toward them. Now, if you're not a student of body language, you you need to be. And most of us are without even knowing we are. You can subconsciously tell when a person has turned you off, right? Now, don't you all hate to get hung up with the one person who doesn't have a clue what body language means? You have turned away and are trying. You're, you're doing this. And they're still right in the middle of a story telling you the way the wind was blowing at three to five miles an hour. The grass was was green, meadow green, not deep green. you know. And they're giving you details you don't even want. You don't want to hear the story, much less the details. They're giving you a novel. All you need is a paragraph. And you, 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 you're positioned to go the other way, and they don't read that. All I can say is most of us have learned a certain amount of body language and what this is describing is the body language you need to employ when you read scripture. Incline your ear. Don't turn away from it. Lean into it, which demonstrates the hunger. And once you get it, don't ever let it depart from your eyes. Tell somebody, never. Come on, say never. Never. Never Never. let it go. go. You see, not everybody gets it. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart or central to the core of your life, for they are life to those who find them. And what that literally means when it says it's life to those who find them is you don't want to be one of those that just reads to get the stories from the Bible. You want to be reading the Bible and the stories to get the principles it contains. Not everybody finds that. Oh, I know folk that can quote Scripture all day long, but don't know the principles that are involved in the Bible. They've got the verses memorized, but don't know the truth it contains. Wasn't that Jesus' real problem with the Pharisees? They knew the Bible. They memorized it. Some of them, the entire Bible had been memorized by them. But Jesus was telling them, you not only don't know the truth, You can compass land and sea to convert people to your false religion. But I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, they had the Bible down. They just didn't have the principles it contained. And he said, if you get these principles, that is what is health or a medicine to all of your flesh. We've also been using Mark 9, this distraught father of this distressed son. On the Mount of Transfiguration, this boy is possessed of a suicidal spirit. Trying to kill him, and the dad has brought the boy to the di- disciples. They couldn't help. Now he appeals to a higher court, a higher level of spiritual authority, and says, "If you can help us, please help us." And Jesus says, "If you believe, all things are possible." And this distraught dad, I can see him wail. I mean, imagine that's your son, and you're at Texas Children's at two thirty-five in the morning, and your son is about to expire, or your daughter. And you're crying, Lord, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This man is desperate, but he is illustrating a truth that we need to turn doubts to faith. And so in this part of this series, I've been talking about all of this year, Kingdom Keys, that you can experience much love, many blessings, and great favor for the rest of your life, you and your family. And I'll tell you something about this, just an observation. Once you learn how to do this, there's some things you don't have to teach your kids. They pick up by osmosis. If you've read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what rich dads teach their kids about money that poor dads don't teach theirs, there's some things you learn just by being in it that to everybody else is just theory. Having said this, when a home is blessed with favor and love, it creates a standard that that child becomes accustomed to and they will not accept anything less than that. Now, literally what I mean by this is that in the course of this year in teaching this, we are impacting our future generations, our kids and our young people. But to do this, as I've said, I've had to ask questions like, Is there really a God? I've addressed that. Then secondly, is the Bible really the word of God? Thirdly, were you created or evolved? This now brings us to where we're at at this moment, and that is simply, if there is a God, if his word is true, and if we were created rather than evolved, doesn't that mean I have a reason for being here? And so I'm talking today about 12 irrevocable laws of destiny, 12 Immutable laws of destiny. You have a destiny. And listen to this verse in Ephesians 1 and 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. Did you see that word? Say everything. I I need you to do this. Turn to your neighbor. Mark, tenant. My God, Mark, how are you? One of my friends from years ago, sorry, I just saw him here today. Love you, buddy. He works everything out. Turn to your neighbor and says he works everything out. That will change your life if you get it. He works everything Not 99%, I don't care what you're going through, he works everything out. That ought to make somebody shout right there. <laughs> everything out. Amen. Well, according to what? Works everything out in a conformity with the purpose of his will. I was just pa- uh, preaching for Pastor Steve Miller, one of our sons from this church, in Los Angeles last weekend. Steve's doing a great job. They're a great church. He's been newly installed as a pastor there. We had church. And I was sitting with, with a group of ministers that were there for that weekend that had come in uh, for this conference that Steve was doing and to be with me. And one of them was 79 years old. And I pulled these verses up from Ephesians. And he looked at that and his jaw fell open. He said, my God, that's in the Bible? He said, I'm going to have to go get me another Bible. He said, I want the one you're reading me. <laughs> God works everything out in conformity with His purpose. Amen. Twelve immutable laws. I'm going to quickly go through these just very briefly. Number one, everything God made has a purpose. This verse says that I just showed you everything He made has a purpose. Number two, since He made you, you have a purpose. Number three. Oh, wait, wait, let me just go. I love that verse. Ephesians 2 and 10. I got to show you this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. When were your works prepared? Come on, somebody help me out. Before you were ever born. I love this. And how can this be? It's because God does not inhabit time. He lives in the eternal now. Being eternal and living in eternity, everything is already finished with God. Time is a parenthetical insertation into eternity designed to give you a chance to manifest what God has already declared is. That simply means that everything you're going to do, everything you were designed to do, this incredible stuff, God's mind, you've already finished it. (laughs) Woo, I love this. You say, but I I hadn't done it yet. That's because with with us, we have a past, a present, and a future. Time is comprised of three dimensions. But in eternity, there is only the ever-present now. That means that in your life, you're still working toward what God says is already done. That means God's got all of this stuff that he's attributed to you. (laughs) That you haven't even moved into yet. Oh my God, this, this is exciting. And we get in competition with one another. When you're not really in competition with anybody, this is what's so powerful about discovering your destiny because God's already got your future mapped out. His plans for you have already been achieved and accomplished. And instead of doing that, we get frustrated and we get this sense of competitiveness with each other. Men particularly are bad about this. We, We can't do anything without making it into a competition. Oh, come on, guys, get real with me. If we go fishing to relax, we're competing to catch a bigger fish than the guy on the other end of the boat. You know what I'm saying is true. It's this whole testosterone thing. And when we go to the gym, we're competing. In fact, we're glad when we get done so we (laughs) go. And if you don't have anybody you're competing with, you will compete against yourself. You heard about the two guys who were walking through the woods, and they met a bear, a big grizzly bear, about 40 yards away. And that bear stood up and roared. And one guy just simply sat down, opened his his knapsack, pulled out a pair of tennis shoes. And his friend said, man, are you crazy? You can't outrun that bear. He started putting those tennis shoes on. You're going to never outrun that bear. His friend said, I don't have to. He said, well, you mean I just have to outrun you. (laughs) You, you understand what I'm saying we turn everything into a competition but when you find out what God created you for that's when life becomes powerful number three when God created you he equipped you with the gifts and released the resources in the heavenlies that you must have to fulfill that destiny number four Everything God gives, He gives in seed form. Number five, it is your responsibility to grow that seed until it reaches a place of maturity and becomes a fully developed gift and ministry and destiny. Number six, when you achieve the purposes for which He created you, three incredible things happen. You will experience inner fulfillment, peace, and satisfaction at a level you have never known. Number two, kingdom purposes and objectives will be feathered. And number three, you will bring him glory and honor as your creator because you are now doing and achieving what he created you to do. And since all of your works were already done before you got here in the mind of God, they're already achieved, which he assigned you beforehand and did in his mind is accomplished beforehand, again, which God prepared in advance. Say, in advance. Your works are already prepared in advance. When you do these things, you bring Him incredible glory as your Creator. Number seven, Satan will always oppose the development of that gift. And if you do develop it, will then seek to subvert it for destructive purposes and the furthering of His kingdom objectives rather than those of God's. And number eight, the greater the opposition you face, the greater the destiny. That God has in store for you. I want to talk to you about the ninth one today. You ready? The ninth irrevocable. Immutable law of destiny. Is simply this. If you stay faithful. And committed to God. And his plans for your life. You will experience. Divine. Immunity. What do I mean by that? We understand the spiritual by looking at the natural. And there are different kinds of immunity. Africa, for example, the context that I'm frequently in week after week. Right now there's a very big problem with tuberculosis that is drug resistant, treatment resistant. Let me tell you why that happens. You will go to wards of hospitals now in Africa, and, and trust me when I say their hospitals are a whole lot different than they are here. <laughs> and Trust me. For example, you fix your own meals, your family brings you meals in the hospital. They, the doctor will come and give you a prescription. Your family has to go out and find the medicine somewhere. They don't supply it at the hospital. And you've got wards of hospitals with tuberculosis patients that have this drug-resistant strain of tuberculosis the way this happens is like this that whenever a person is diagnosed with tuberculosis and they go to the doctor to receive treatment they're put in isolation and they're given a course of antibiotics these antibiotics because of the poverty level that exists in Africa is, are, it's difficult for most people to be able to afford it so they start taking the antibiotic and as they begin to take it they begin to feel better not halfway through the course they think they're okay And they discontinue its use because the drug is too expensive to continue to send out for it. And they don't have the money. And what happens is the tuberculosis returns because treatment is interrupted. Only now it is resistant to the antibiotic that it was being treated with. And you have whole wards of hospitals that are full of drug-resistant tuberculosis that are resisting the treatment that's being given. Immunity is simply this: It is the quality of being unaffected by something. unaffected. When you walk into one of these wards, you better pray that you're unaffected. <laughs> I read some several years ago about an airplane coming out of Russia with one of these patients that had drug-resistant tuberculosis. They had interrupted treatment, and they were still coughing. 13 passengers on the plane and seats around them were exposed to tuberculosis and developed and had to be treated for tuberculosis as a result of that one flight from Russia to JFK in New York. You better hope that if you walk, walk into a ward or get around somebody who has this, you have either immunity which is you are not affected, it's the state or quality of being unaffected, or that you have a mask on or something that helps you have immunity that you would not have otherwise. Immunity. What is spiritual immunity? Spiritual immunity is when nothing the devil does (laughs) affects you. It is the quality or state of being unaffected. It means you walk through this hospital that we live in that we call the world with all of its problems and woes and trouble, but nothing gets to you. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. That needs to know you don't have to be affected by the environmental circumstances or situations that are happening to you in a fallen world ruled by a fallen Lord. There is a place when when you are in your assignment, walking in your destiny, that the enemy cannot affect you and does not touch you. Oh, somebody in the building needs to say Amen. Or I can say it another way, no weapon formed against you can prosper. Principles whereby we align our lives and therefore complete our lives or add benefit to our lives that would otherwise be missing. Spiritual principles that are irrevocable, unchangeable. And one of those laws concerning destiny is when you align with the purpose for which God made you. There may be hell going on around you. But the storm is on the outside and doesn't get on the inside. It's Psalms 91 fulfilled. Put that up on the screen. Because most people that read the Bible don't understand, as I said, the principles that are involved. They're just looking at the verses. Oh, he who dwells, I claim that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But there's some qualifying conditions. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Notice what it is. I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Now some of you good folk that are from Louisiana like I am know about refuges. We have Sabine Wildlife Refuge. Lacassine Refuge. You know I used to love to hunt waterfowl. And we had the best lease in the world. We had a a mile square cut into the side of Sabine Wildlife Refuge. Which is the wintering ground for waterfowl? Y'all forgive me. I know I I, I, I got victory over it. I don't shoot them anymore, but I used to back then. I mean, I can't help it. I was a Cajun. What do you expect? I mean, that's just in my blood, Sha. You know, I, a cold December morning, duck going crack, 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 crack. I mean, I, I wake up four thirty in the morning. You know, and me and Boudreaux, we gonna get out there in that blind. That's the way life used to be. And those ducks would fly all the way down from where they had, they had nested and bred in Canada and been hatched and fly to Louisiana to come get in my gumbo pot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Amen. And we had, we had that, that square cut right in the side. That was our lease. But I want to tell you those creatures are smarter than you think. Because a few days with me hunting in my blind, and they would fly right up to the edge of the lease and turn around and go back to the Sabine Wildlife Refuge. They knew where the boundary was at. And as long as they stayed in the refuge, I could not hunt because that was off limits. And I want to tell you, the devil can't touch you when you're in your assignment because you are in God's refuge. And this is one reason that people get in trouble. Because one of the biggest problems that exist in today's church world is most people are wandering around aimlessly without a sense of destiny or purpose. Amen. And understand that doesn't mean you got to quit your job. I mean, you got to go become a minister and, you know, missionary in Borneo. You know, that's not what that means. It means, I'll get to what that means a little bit later. Not today, but I will reach that before I'm done with this series. I want to tell you how to walk in your destiny. Because some of you are saying, man, I'm bored. i got the worst job in the world and hate my life and and all of that. Hang on, hang on. Just be cool. We're going to get there. But when you are in God's assignment and know it. And knowing it is a key element. Let me hear an amen from somebody. When you're in God's assignment and know it, you're in God's refuge. Why is it that you must know it? Because the truth you know is what sets you free. It's not just truth that sets you free, it's the truth you know. Truth you don't know doesn't do anything for you. And look what he says, verse 3. He goes on to describe this. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. What does that mean? They set traps. And when you get in the devil's trap, it won't even close. When you're in your assignment, the devil's trap stops working. I'm talking to somebody right now. Amen. Amen. And I see. When I read this verse, I see Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. I mean, no matter what trap Wiley Coyote devises, Roadrunner always gets away. Y'all hadn't noticed that, have you? I love that new Geico commercial. Have you seen the one where the gecko is walking through the desert? What a strange place, you know. Anvils falling and everything going, pianos and all of this stuff. I, I want to tell you, if you're worried about Wiley Coyote, don't worry anymore. Warner Brothers has too many millions invested in him to ever let Wiley Coyote be Coyote uh, catch Roadrunner. Amen. You're worried about Roadrunner too. Amen. You need to know that they're making billions and have through the years, over the many years that Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner have been out there. Don't worry about them anymore. And I love the, 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 the storyline. Always Wally Coyote is sending off to Acme Company, where he is Acme's biggest client, and he's always ordering, you know, bazookas and, and special traps and, and you know springs where he about. And always inevitably, no matter what he does, he gets caught in his own trap. You didn't hear what I said. Because there's a state of being in spiritual immunity where instead of you being caught in the trap the devil sets, he gets caught in the very trap that he set for you. Amen. Tell somebody, snare won't work with me. Would you do that? Trap doesn't spring. Go on a little further here. Amen. Next verse, if you would, please. Verse number four. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. If you were raised in the country like I was, this story line immediately now becomes familiar to you. Because whenever a chicken would hatch its brood, and the little chicks would be out in the the chicken yard when a hawk would fly over... And would cry out, scree, you know, that high-pitched cry of a hawk as it's hunting. Those little bitties would run to their mother chick and she would open her wings and tuck them under her wings to protect them. And literally what happens when you are in your assignment, you come to a place of spiritual immunity that when you get under attack, God opens his arms, (laughs) likens himself to this mother hen. And protects you. His truth. Oh my God. Did you see that? His principle. Becomes your shield. And your buckler. If you can look beyond the verse. And see the truth. That it contains the principle that is there. That becomes a powerful means of protection. Next verse, go on, look at it, it's just powerful. Keep there and keep scrolling with me. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Oh, you hear what I'm talking about? No matter how dark the hour gets, you're not afraid. I used to love horror movies, I have a confession to make. I used to love horror movies until I realized how incredibly stupid they are. I told you the other day, uh, uh, the 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 living dead. I could lay down and take a nap and they still couldn't catch me. They're moving so slow. You know what I'm talking about? And we watch those and get all afraid. Uh, I don't care how dark, dark the hour is. You don't get afraid. And I don't know where they're at with Jason now. It used to be Jason 1, 2. I, I finally stopped somewhere along in there. Jason, uh, 47 or 58 or wherever he's at right now. Tell me why, after he's killed 57 people, you still gonna go outside by yourself. (laughs) I do not understand that. You deserve whatever happens to you out there. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't ask me to come help you. No, I'm going to send flowers and I'll do a eulogy. But I'm not going outside. Not after he's already had 57 people he sliced up. I mean, they're incredibly stupid. And I got to realizing that's a true picture of the church. We're afraid of the dark. But you don't need to fear if you're in God's assignment. You are living in the middle of spiritual immunity. Somebody in the building shout hallelujah. (laughs) Look at this. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. Say it with me. And ten thousand at my right hand. Personalize it. But it shall not come near me. Do you hear what God promised? When you discern your assignment, you're walking in it. When you're serving God and what you're doing is for God, you're living in a state where the enemy can't touch you. That means somebody else may get laid off, but you don't have to take that home with you. God is your provider. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is your provider. He's your source. Amen. So they're passing out pink slips right and left. You just say in Jesus' name, I'm walking in my assignment. You sent me here to minister. I'm not losing my job. If I lose this one, it's because you got another place for me to serve right now. Amen. That means I've finished up my task at this field of ministry. Amen. Now I'm moving on to the next assignment. That's what that means. You have to stop taking control of your life and let God have control of it. He has a plan for you. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Amen. When God has spoken over your life, you can't fail. Not only will no trap or strategy or no device of the enemy work, but even what you're attempting to do for God cannot help but succeed. I know so many people that are worried. Lord, I'd love to be doing something for you, and my time is gone. I'm going to have to to close this now very quickly, but I'll just say this in conclusion. People are saying, God, I'm not sure if this is you. I'd love to do this, but I don't have the resources. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't understand that if God's called you to do something, you can't fail at it. When you're submitted and it's not about you, you cannot fail. Why? Because you're living in immunity. Watch it close because it's will slip right by you. You have two men. One is Saul, one is David. There is no way that David should have been able to throw a rock and hit that giant and take him down. No way. He's just a lad. Why was he able to succeed? Because, like that verse said in Ephesians 2, these are the works that God had already pre-assigned him God had prepared in, eva- in advance, Genesis, uh, rather Ephesians 2 and 10. God had already said in advance, in God's records, Goliath was coming down. The only thing is, I don't believe it was supposed to have been David who took him out. I think the natural choice was Saul. Saul is terrified in his tent because he thinks, if I get out there and face that giant, I'm going to get killed. No, Saul. You don't realize that when you walk in your assignment, you live in spiritual immunity. But I I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. Saul, you missed the point, buddy. Hey, hear me out. It's not about you. It's about God. God has prepared this in advance. It's already stated. In God's mind, Goliath is dead. But I can't. I just won't. I won't. And here's the thing about God. In Isaiah chapter number 51 and verse 11, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. (laughs) when God speaks a word, it's got to happen. And if it don't happen with you, if you become like Saul and say, "Uh -uh, I can't go, that's okay. It's still got to happen to somebody. And so God is saying, okay, you won't do it. Then I'll give your immunity to David. And David will do what you were supposed to do. Because watch this, it's already foreordained. Didn't the scripture say predestined? This is what God has prepared in advance. Goliath's coming down today, whether it's by your hand or somebody else's, soul, And whoever goes out there is going to be walking in spiritual immunity. And this is one of the most important things you will ever learn in life, that when God has called you to do something, you cannot fail. But if you choose not to accept the assignment, then God's got a Jacob if Esau don't want it. I used to not understand that verse where the scripture said, beware lest any man take your crown. And I used to think that was probably a mistranslation. That what it should have said was, beware lest the enemy or the devil steal your crown. It isn't. It purposely does not say, beware lest the enemy take your crown. Because crowns are about assignments and about achievements in life. Crowns are given to you as a reward for what you have done with your life in the earth. There's a martyr's crown. There's a a crown of righteousness. There's the victor's on and on and on. Crowns. And so what God is literally saying is this. Watch it now. Be careful that you manifest what I've already spoken over you. Because if you don't. Somebody else is going to take up that issue. And they're going to do that assignment because my word cannot return back to me void. And they're going to wear the crown that I really had written for you. And so I'm going to have to borrow a pencil from an angel over here. Gabriel, come here, give me a pencil. And turn it upside down and erase your name and write in David. Erase Esau and write in Jacob. No, and I, I, I made a decision once I understood this verse. I said, God, nobody's going to get the blessing that belongs to me. Nobody's going to walk in my assignment but me. Uh, and this is why so many people don't walk in the supernatural. I'm, I'm closing with this, and I've got to say this as I, 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 I leave here today, but there are two kinds of miracles in people ordinarily don't think of this they think a miracle is a miracle a miracle no no there's there's two kinds there's one that is a miracle that is a miracle in response to a human situation and a dire and desperate need human need the other is a miracle that is assignment related <laughs> watch it now one is god i'm sick And I've I've just been diagnosed with cancer. Please come and heal me. And I want you to know that God is a God of infinite compassion. And yes, God answers prayers. But you need to also know he is a God of purpose. And a God of deliberate intention. And once a word goes out of his mouth, it cannot return to him empty. It's got to fulfill its assignment. And so if you are doing nothing for God but just going to church and you get cancer, oh God, please heal me, that there is a good chance you will receive healing. But if you are in your assignment and walking out your destiny and the enemy attacks you with cancer because he doesn't want you to complete your assignment, there is a miracle that is assignment-related. And most of us have never learned the difference in the two. And so here we are, as people that belong to God, the majority of Christianity is really kind of purposeless. Meandering, wondering, waiting for the rapture. Pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. You know what I mean? When you can, like they say, have something sound on the ground that can be found while you're still around. We're waiting for pie in the sky. God's going to come take us out of here. God endure to the end. You know, hang on by the fingernails until Jesus saves you. No, 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 no. There's another kind of miracle, and that is when God sees you walking in your assignment, and the devil is afraid of what you're going to do. And so he attacks your life, your family, your finances, your health. And God said, that won't work. I can't let it work because my word can never return to me void. And I've already in advance declared these are the works that this person is going to do. And so you know what happens? A miracle happens. Here's the difference. If you're only living for yourself, you have to chase miracles. But if you're serving and manifesting purpose, Miracles start chasing you. Come on, somebody understand what I'm talking about. I'll show you the difference. Moses walks up to the Red Sea. Now let's suppose Moses is not on his assignment. And Moses goes up to the Red Sea and says, open. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But if he's leading two and a half billion Jews in his assignment and he walks up to the Red Sea, they have no choice because waters have to part. One is we're looking for miracles to meet our human need. The other is miracles are looking for us because we have to fulfill the assignment that we're walking in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've got a word for somebody in this house. No weapon formed against you can prosper when you are walking within your mandate. No weapon. Stand with me across the building right now. This is literally how Abraham came to know God by his covenant name. Abraham climbs a mountain and aligns himself with God's purposes because he has been instructed to take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice. So he obeys God. And this God that we serve, who never does anything spontaneously, who always does things and finishes it before he, in our words, would ever get started. He's moved the last chess piece before he's moved the first one. (laughs) I love this about God. (laughs) He didn't just figure out his last move. He's already made his last move before he makes his first one. Watch this now. God is using types and shadows in the Old Testament to point to another father who will take his only begotten son. And Abraham, when he doesn't even know it, when he aligns himself with the purposes of God, he has now become an Old Testament prototype or an Old Testament type or shadow of the New Testament God who's going to put his son on a cross. And suddenly a ram comes scrambling over the crest of that mountain. Why? If Abraham had been looking for a ram to get my son out of this, oh my God, I can't, he might not have ever found one because it would have been him looking for a miracle. But when he aligned himself and was completely submitted to the purposes of God for his life, a ram came looking for him. This is very similar to the story that that we read in the Gospel of St. John where after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples had fished and Jesus appeared and said, children, have you any meat? And they said, we fished all night long and caught nothing. He said, lower your nets on the right side of the boat. And they said, what's this guy trying to tell me? Lower my net. We fished all night long. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will lower a net. And here's the thing. When they were just fishing for themselves, the fish were saying, here comes that net. Let's go the other direction. And they couldn't catch it. I want to tell you something. There's nothing more exciting than fishing when they're, you're catching something every time you drop your line in the water. There is nothing more boring than fishing when they're not biting. And they have been out there all night long and caught nothing. But when they aligned themselves with purpose and the word that, that Jesus had just spoken and lowered their net, the same fish that were saying, here comes that net, let's go the other way, stopped and said, where's that net at so we can go get in it? Miracles start looking for you. And this is one reason that churches in today's world have seen a remark, remarked drop, a, 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 dimin- a diminished number of miracles, is because as we have forfeited and moved away from purpose, we've moved away from the supernatural. And I'm opening the altar. I want everybody to come join me right now because I am praying that there will be a release. Of the supernatural in your life starting today this is a word for somebody today are you hearing me today i need somebody to say today Today. come on i need somebody to say today today Today, somebody is moving into the supernatural i don't know what's happening with you no no watch how the devil works Because we get involved in trouble. How many times as a pastor have I seen this? Pastor, I'm stepping down from my ministry temporarily. I'm taking a sabbatical. I'm going through something. And at the time when you need immunity the most, it's when you back out of the very thing that's covering you and supplying you with immunity. I want to say this today. Arise, man of God. Arise, woman of God. Find your purpose for being born. Doesn't mean quit your job. Maybe your assignment is marketplace ministry. Maybe God's raising you up to be a voice. Right where you're working. To use your influence But whatever it is, you've got to dedicate yourself to that with your hands raised right now. Move in close. There's so many people clogging the aisles. Come on. Just move in close if you would. Father, I pray right now that you would release immunity. Immunity. Cover us, Lord. Hide us under your wings. I rebuke every enemy. That has spoken and warred against your people. And I declare today. That there is supernatural release in this house. With your hands raised. And Pastor Irvin's going to close the service because I'm, I need to run. I want you to say these words with me today God. Today, God. Shout it out. Today God. today God. I declare. I declare. I am a child. I Child of purpose, I am a child of Almighty God. Child of Almighty God, and today I further state that no weapon formed against me will prosper from this day forward. Every trap the enemy has structured is going to fail to operate correctly because I am moving into my destiny. I may not be there yet, but I'm moving now. I'm going to find what God's called me to do. And I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my life count. And because I am, I declare,